Sorry, I don't want my makeup looking weird on camera. <laughs> Alright, I promise I've been a city member, I mean city church member since day one. I've been here since day one. You guys just haven't seen me because I work on Sundays, but guess what? I fought for y'all. I'm here. Alright, I want to start with a very short prayer. Okay, bow your heads, clutch your eyes, please. Dear God, I am asking that your grace and mercy would continue to follow me all the days of my life. As you have promised in your word, teach me and my peers to be understanding, compassionate, and caring. Thank you. Amen. All right, so today's topic would be of grace. So what is grace? Grace is the unmerited mercy, also known as favor, that God gave to humanity by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, thus securing man's eternal salvation from sin. Romans 6.14 states, For sin shall no longer be your master. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. To me, I thought while reading that scripture, it was one of those things you had to reread and reread to overhear it again, to go back and read it again and again, because it just made too much sense. Or it just sounds too good. I don't want to make it about Kanye, but it's kind of like hearing Kanye for the first time. You know, his lyricism, his metaphors, his wordplay. It's just too good not to listen to again. But anyways, I thought it sounded deeper the more I heard it. It's impossible to drive, it's possible to drive yourself crazy thinking about whether we actually serve God how he truly sees fit. Am I doing enough for myself, for others, and my church, as he sees fit? Am I doing enough for my, ooh, I'm sorry. Or am I just believer for knowing God will forgive me, because he loves me forever and ever and will never stop loving me? So it's okay to act the way that I do, because just like Tupac said, only God could judge me. So I'm going to continue to cuss out anyone that bothers me, lying still, because there's really no biggie. So forget what y'all think. I'm going to keep doing me while I'm on the earth because I know he'll forgive me and accept me for who I really am. Just because I said we will no longer live under the fear of sin doesn't mean that the way you're living is right. So what am I doing that's not good enough? What more can I do to secure my way into heaven? To give you a relative idea, the answers are simply in the scripture. John 14, 6 states, I am the way and the truth and the life. To be accepted into heaven, you must admit you're a sinner. Ask for forgiveness, admit that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. Ask him to have a relationship with you. So I just want to jump back just a little bit <clears throat> about our actions and the favor God shows us. There's a difference between justified and undeserved favor. There's also a difference between grace and karma. Grace is actually the opposite of karma. Karma is getting what you deserve, while grace is getting what you don't deserve. I think a really good example of this is Noah's story. Noah wasn't perfect, nobody is. But this is how God showed grace towards Noah and in the mercy of his favor. Before God flooded the earth, he directly spoke to Noah of his plans. 
God spoke of how disappointing and frustrated he had become when the people he gave life continually disobeyed and disrespected him. He disrespect, they disrespected God in the way of his land and by hurting others. It wasn't okay to him, so God gave Noah specific instructions and said, get it done by this date and this time, and you, your family, and those animals will live. <sighs> he couldn't be talking to me. He couldn't be talking to me. It hasn't rained in like six years. Let me just mind my business and feed my sheep. No! So this is no, I'm, I'm acting as Noah right now. Noah, this message is intended directly for you. Do as I say. So Noah's standing there, hearing these words from God. I can only imagine the face he was making. You know there, Noah and his family were living out on the prairie, so clearly he's not talking to anybody else. But why, God? Why would you want to destroy what you created? Are you sure this is the best route to go? <laughs> of course! The actions of man, the lies humans tell, the way y'all disrespect and disobey me will end. In the eyes of God, Noah was faithful, righteous, and committed to walking with God. So therefore, God intended to save Noah and show his grace. I know I'm saying grace a lot. Grace, 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 grace. That's the whole point. Grace is one of the most important concepts in the Bible, Christianity, and the world. It is most clearly expressed in the promises of God revealed in the scripture and embodied in Jesus Christ. So I just want to jump in now. How can we clearly describe God's characters and his ways of grace? Well, in the book of Exodus, it states that God is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, but overflowing with loyalty, love, and faithfulness. At a time in my life, I didn't think I could quite identify any of those things, as any of those things, I'm sorry. I was very quick to anger. I would become agitated by big and small things. You can really ask my mom. I believe in these last years of us being around each other more often, we've grown to accept and understand each other for who we are. So with that, I've gotten more comfortable opening up and talking to her about personal things. <laughs> I call my mom basically every day and I believe, I truly believe she braces herself whenever she answers my phone calls. It's either between me and my sister, my brother and Tori, and so at this point when I call her, I'm the type to double call and send a voicemail as well. And I'm gonna make sure you get my message. So whenever I call her, I just know she's just like, what now? But I know she loves me. The second type of way she answers the phone is, God, you guys are grown. What do you need me for? I just wanna say I love you. But it's okay, I understand you love me. So we've grown to understand and accept each other. And when I call her, there's two types of calls from me. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I just want it so small for my eyesight. So it's either, I'm just checking in, because I'm really nosy. I like to know what she's doing and where she's at. I don't want her out and about just doing anything with anybody. I need to know what you're doing. 
or I'm just hysterical, super emotional. I'm crying with the tears and the snot, and now she has an iPhone so I could FaceTime her while I'm crying. But I would always call her when I was very upset, and it would be about big and small things, one of them being my coworkers. Instead of being agitated every day, I was trying to learn the concept of being understanding and compassionate towards others and myself. So this is how I embody compassion, love, and grace. I'd like to share with you how I learned to become understanding, patient, and slow to anger. Okay, here's the true secret. If you really want to know how to find patience, compassion, empathy, and being understanding, don't work with children, work in healthcare. It started with this small little woman and her name was Cherie. My agency contracted me to work with Cherie for about a month or two. I had not quite had too much experience with mental illnesses and cognitive decline in the elderly. I mainly worked with veterans at the time, so I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into when I was asked to do one-on-ones with Cherie. I had no clue that she was placed on hospice a few weeks while working with me and only given a very, very short amount of time to live. I had only known that she was going through the roughest stages of her dementia and Parkinson's and needed someone to be there for her. The community staff and I got familiar with each other and they informed me of her placement on hospice and when it was nearing time to say my goodbyes. Every day I watched her decline and decline mentally and verbally. I would catch myself just watching her, staring and wondering, what did she do to deserve this? What did she do to deserve to lose herself and what she was? I wanted to show her warmth and love, and so we would hug and embrace each other more and more often. We would hold hands and dance together up and down the hallways. Now, I'm not much of a dancer. Most of the people in my life know that. So we would have to compromise with just the two-step. And she'd be over here trying to like do the tango. And I was like, how do you know how to do the tango? I'm just confused a little bit. And I was just standing there just like. (laughs) After a while, we couldn't dance together because she was becoming weaker and weaker. My little star, Cherie, had the brightest smile you couldn't forget seeing. After a while, that smile no longer showed up. Cherie was also the biggest fireball in the smallest body. Now, what you wouldn't know by looking at her is that she could pack a punch. She's about this tall, very tiny. You couldn't approach her in any type of way. I learned that the hard way the first time she slapped me. I learned it again the second and third time she punched me, and again the next few times I visited her. I don't know why I didn't give up. I don't know why I continually went back just to be used for personal boxing lessons. But every day I changed my approach and communication with Cherie, and nothing quite worked. I didn't know why, I didn't know how, what could I do differently. I knew it was something that I was doing, so I had to fix my approach in order to give her the best care. I was trying to figure out in what way can I work privately without letting the staff know I was getting beat up every day. (laughs) It was one day they had to pull her off of me because I came at her sideways 
and it was just not a good day after that. So almost every day after a month, I would visit Cherie, go home, and look at the notes I had taken on her. I studied Alzheimer's and dementia disease further so I could understand exactly what I was dealing with and how I could provide the best patient care for her. One thing I learned working with Cherie is patience. I had to understand that dementia is a disease and there is no cure. She didn't ask to be here and she certainly did not ask for this disease. So I wasn't going to lose my mind over something neither of us could control. So yes, I did continue to spend more days with Cherie, learning about her illness, and we grew to accept each other. No more slapping or hitting me, more love and hugs, and a lot of compassion and understanding. I spent a few more days with her until she wasn't allowed any more visitors because of her condition. My last night's working with Cherie, I sat in her bed with her because she was heavily sedated. So she slept in my lap most of the time. My final visit with Cherie, I couldn't feel her warmth anymore. She usually talked in her sleep, but not that night. My little star Cherie was gone before I could say my goodbyes. I tried, to let, tried not to let her death hurt me, and I would admit that I was fine, but on the inside, I was hurt. Being emotionally attached and tied to somebody, and then all of a sudden they're gone, it took a while for me to personally recover, but I'll always remember Cherie for teaching me true patience and how to give warmth and love. So I work for an HHA and a facility dedicated to assisted living, memory, and hospice care. I reside in the part of the building that is our lockdown unit for the hospice, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and mentally ill patients. Those are my people, and I love each and every one of them with my entire heart. I care for each and every one of them as if they're my family. I tell them just about every day that I care about them and love them. I pray over them, hold their hands, and talk to them like we've known each other our entire lives. I respect them and do my best to bring joy to their lives every day. Now, again, I do not dance and I cannot sing, but for my people, I, wouldn't do, I would do just about anything for them. I've done basically everything for them. There's really nothing I want to do for them that I haven't already. I really don't mind doing a little two-step to the eyes, least, if it means my residents will smile. I've learned that my residents are obsessed, obsessed with DeBarge, and we listen to them throughout the days. I'll sing joy to the world all day if I can hear the happiness in their voices, even if we've sung it for the sixth time that day. I'm learning to reciprocate that energy every single day, not only to my long-term residents or short-term patients, but to anyone I encounter. I'm learning to change my approach to communication so I can embody love everywhere I go. I had this one specific patient and his death really broke my heart. He was terminally, terminally ill with cancer, so I worked with the family and our nurse daily to create the best care plan with hospice to make his time with us as peaceful and comfortable as possible. I work the AM shift, so working in the morning when I have to make my first rounds, I always get nervous doing bed checks and wake up calls because you never know what you'll see. So I personally brace myself. When with my terminally ill patient, I just went to do a wellness check and previously I had prayed outside his doorway for God 
to take away his pain. He had been crying loudly all night. He was asking for mercy. I asked God to hear his prayers and to help him. I came into his room later that day and my patient was gone. I had completely broke down. I stayed with him until he was taken away by the coroner and I said my goodbyes. I hugged his wife and I spoke with his children. Because I understood exactly what they went through. I wanted to give them as much warmth and love because this was once me and my family when my dad passed away. A month later, again, another one of my hospice patients had passed and I just couldn't stay strong and hold my tears back. I had worked a double and I was really exhausted that day. So before I left, I went for a wellness check. My patient was in so much pain and he was nonverbal so I could just see it in his eyes. I asked God to help him relieve his pain and take away the tension in his body. The next morning, I was doing my rounds, and I came into his room. His daughter and his granddaughter were sitting there looking at his lifeless body, and I had completely broke down. I had grown so close to Dan, it hurt seeing my friend was gone. I was supposed to be comforting the family, and instead they were comforting me, rubbing my back, and wiping my tears. Later that week, they expressed their gratitude for the services I provided. It told me it's okay to cry. It shows you truly cared. <sighs> my coworkers thought it was an issue that I got really close to the hospice and cancer patients, but I could care less what they thought. Because if it were you, would you want the healthcare worker that was cold, distant, and never spent any time with you? Or would you want someone? Or would you want the healthcare provider that brought sunshine every time they saw you? I thought, you know, maybe I'm too emotional for this job. Seeing death in the client every day is rough, but I remember daily, God only gives his hardest challenges to his toughest warriors. So after my friend Dan passed, I decided that this is what I want to do. Healthcare is my calling. If it weren't for Sheree, I wouldn't have learned patience and control. If it weren't for Bob and Dan, I would never know the true meaning of compassion and understanding. God helped put me in a position to advocate for those who can no longer do so for themselves. Use my body, spirit, and growing knowledge to provide love and warmth to all his children in each stage of their lives. I think a really great example of this is my new friend, Mr. Lou. Now, Mr. Lou and I are basically ride or die at this point. Even before I knew who he was, God had allowed me to be in his life and his family's life because they have prayed for someone special to take care of their father. The Wilkerson's are longtime family friends on my mom's side of the family, but I didn't quite remember who they were until I met Miss Henrietta. At my job, I see Mr. Dana and Miss Henrietta almost daily. It's something about the Wilkerson's that gives me an amazing fresh breath of air in a such, it's such a hostile environment. 
Every time I see them, they radiate sunshine and love. Mr. Dana and Miss Henrietta are the type of people you would want to take care of you when you become older. I can see how they embody love, compassion, and grace every time they visit. I got the pleasure of connecting with Miss Henrietta in an uncommon way. I was working one-on-one -on -one with Mr. Liu at the same time she was visiting, and I was physically, physically struggling, and we were terribly understaffed. We still are, but I had to make it work. Miss Henrietta didn't hesitate to jump in and help me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so unprofessional. I shouldn't let her help me, but I need her to help me, but I shouldn't let her help me. But she continued to help me, even though I kept insinuating, it's okay, it's okay, I got it, I got it. But clearly, I couldn't do a job for two people on my own. So, we had both sweated out our silk presses, so we had something to laugh about, even though we were struggling. As we were talking and getting familiar with each other, she looked at me and had said, I know those eyes. What's your name? Every day my name tag falls off, so I get a lot of, what's your name? I was like, my name tag's right here, but it's not there. So I told her my name was Natalie. She was like, oh my gosh, I know you! I was like, dude? She was like, I know your mom, Tracy, and your uncle. I was like, Mark? Yes! I was like, Ambrose? She's like, girl, yes. Call your mom. I want to talk to her right now. So even though, you know, we're all sweaty, tired, exhausted, I called my mom, and they spoke and reconnected, and she told my mom very pleasant things about me and the care I was providing for Lou. Most of the time, my job gets extremely overwhelming and stressful. I was also at a peak in my depression, but I tried not to let it show, because, you know, the energy you give off can affect everyone around you. So I try to be as calm and pleasant and peaceful around my residence so we all can have an amazing day. But Ms. Henrietta saw me. She saw me at a really stressful point and she helped pick me up. I don't think she knows how much that truly meant to me. Seeing the Wilkerson's is also, I mean, it's always a pick me up and a reminder to keep going. God was working in my favor that day and continually does so. Grace is not only in me, but was in her. It's in all of us. I want to close with a verse from Galatians 5.18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I feel now as though I am living in God's grace, and I no longer let sin run my life or rule judgment over myself. I know right from wrong and try to do my part in life as God sees fit. My prayer for each of you is that God continues to show you grace and favor as he has shown me. Thank you.